Today has been a great day. It's been a blessing to be able to gather together on the first day of the week and to worship our great Father in heaven, to remember who we are, that we are his people, to pray to him this morning. Our prayer service was really encouraging, and I hope and pray that you are uplifted and encouraged, knowing that our Father in heaven indeed hears our prayers and that we can uh, cast our cares to him. And we began uh, a new quarter of Bible classes, and certainly these Bible classes hopefully will be uh, challenging and also encouraging to us as well. And so we're going to spend some more time studying this morning uh, in the Word of God. For those who are visiting, I see some some new faces in the audience. Thank you for being here. Our goal uh, is to give our Father in heaven the praise, honor, and glory that he rightfully deserves as we worship him. And so we're going to begin our study here in just a moment. Three words, one pure light. That was our theme for this past week, our series of lessons that we had with our brother Phil Robertson. And I got to tell you, the last week has been really encouraging for me. We began uh, last Saturday over a week ago with our song service, and what a great song service that was. I was really benefited, and I hope and pray that you were as well, and I appreciate all the men who played a part in, in making that happen. Then we began a special series of lessons called One Pure Light with uh, Brother Phil Robertson, and Phil did a great job, and I appreciate the shepherds for uh, getting that on the calendar and for Brother Kyle for putting all that together and for all the members who supported this very important special series of lessons. If you remember last year, we had a gospel meeting with Brett Hoagland, if I'm pronouncing the last name correctly, he held a meeting for us. And I did a lesson after his series of lessons, kind of recapping some of the lessons that we learned. There was a passage that I used, and it's from Ezekiel chapter 33. And I want to begin this morning by going back to the book of Ezekiel. We studied from this book last year as well. Ezekiel chapter 33, the son of man, this prophet of God, was in Babylon. And he is speaking to God's people who are now in captivity. And in Ezekiel chapter 33, beginning in verse number 30, God is speaking to him and giving him some information about how the people would respond to him and to his words. In Ezekiel chapter 33 and verse number 30, the Bible says, God says, But as for you, son of man, your fellow citizens who talk about you by the walls and in the doorways of the houses speak to one another, each to his brother, saying, Come now and hear what the message is which comes forth from the Lord. The people seemed to be excited about hearing Ezekiel and the words that he was going to proclaim to them. They come to you as people come and sit before you as my people and hear your words, but they do not do them, for they do the lustful desires expressed by their mouth, and their heart goes after their gain. Behold, you are to them like a sensual song by one who has a beautiful voice and plays well on an instrument, for they hear your words, but they do not practice them. Even when God's people were in captivity, God had a prophet for them, and they would go and hear this prophet proclaim God's word, and to them his voice and his words were like a a sensual song by one who has a beautiful voice and plays well on an instrument, but essentially they would hear, but they would not follow through. They would hear this prophet, they would hear the words of God, and yet they would go back to their standard way of living. They listened. But they did not apply the things that they had learned. And so my question for all of us this morning is, what about me? And what about you? We just had a great week, and I was encouraged, and I know others were encouraged because people shared that with me. 
And so I think the next step for us is where do we go from here? I mentioned this last year as well. You know, we have gospel meetings, and we've had a lot of uh, men who have come through here, righteous men who are proclaiming the Word of God, who give us so much good information and wisdom from God's Word, but making sure that we hold on to the things that we have heard and not just allow it to be merely just a meeting that's been on the calendar, and now we move on to the next thing. Many of us listen to the sermons from our brother Phil, and I don't know about you, but Phil has a way of keeping your attention. Did he keep your attention? I enjoyed every sermon that he preached, and I told him, Phil has a way, he's a great storyteller. Did you pick up on that where he's able to tell a story and kind of walk you through, and, and you're just trying to, okay, what's, what's he going to say next, and where is he going next? And while he's a good presenter, a good speaker, a good public speaker, I'm thankful that Phil preaches the Word of God. That's where the emphasis ultimately has to lie. And he gave us, indeed, God's word this past week. I talked last night to some of our young people at our Devo, and our Devos have been going really well, great attendance. We have one more uh, in a couple of weeks. I want to encourage everyone, if you can, to come out, your young, your young children, to come out to that last Devo. And I asked some of the young people, uh, what did you remember from Brother Phil's sermons? And they remembered, a lot of them remembered those stats that he gave Sunday morning. You guys remember those numbers? One in four. One and three, one and two, eight and ten. I'm not going to go through all of those again. You need to go back and listen to it yourself. But I was really impressed that they, they remembered those things, and I remember those as well. And it's good for us to remember the words that have been preached. But what are we going to do with these words? A couple of weeks ago, one of our shepherds, Brother Stephen, did a sermon called, How is My Spiritual Hearing? We can hear, but what are we going to do? Are we really listening? Are we going to apply the things that we are hearing from the Word of God? And so what I want to do, I want to think back, if we can, to the, the series of lessons that we had. I've been thinking about these lessons, and I try to take notes when someone else is preaching, and I took notes from Brother Phil, and I listened to his sermons uh, yesterday on the way back home, and he just had so many great thoughts. And I want to talk a little bit about some of the thoughts from our meeting and really what can we do with the things that we have learned. And so what I want to do today, we had six lessons, and so I'd like to share with you six words that for me helped me to kind of summarize these lessons and hopefully for you will help you to remember some of the big things that were discussed and hopefully to apply these things in your lives. What is it that you took away from those series of lessons? If you were to describe those sermons or give a word or some thought behind those lessons, what words would you give or what words might you use? Well, I want to share with you six words that I think will help us to remember uh, what we have learned this past week. And I would encourage you to write these down. I encourage the young people to write these down and consider them and go back and listen to those lessons again. The first word that I think is appropriate for us to begin with is the word shine. You think about the whole theme, one pure light. And if we don't remember anything else, I think we need to remember that we need to shine our lights. That even in a dark world, we can be the difference. Listen to the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 5. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 14, Jesus reminds us that indeed we need to shine our lights. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 14, listen to what Jesus said here. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. 
A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. That is our call. That is our mission to be lights in this world, to help people to see that indeed we are different because we are following Jesus Christ. Look over in Ephesians chapter 5. We talked about this this past week in Ephesians chapter 5 as Paul wrote to the saints in Ephesus and how he reminded them that they used to be in darkness and now, now they had been delivered, obviously, by the gospel of Jesus Christ and how they were to conduct themselves. In Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse number 1, listen to what Paul says here. Paul said in verse 1, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. But immorality or any impurity or greed must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Phil spent a lot of time talking about this and how we need to avoid certain behavior at all costs and how this covers so many different areas potentially of our lives. And there must be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting which are not fitting but rather giving of thanks for this you know with certainty that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Paul is emphasizing the idea of being pure and, and living a pure life. And just as he emphasized that to the saints in the first century, this is something that we need to be reminded of even today. We need to be careful how we walk according to verse 15. Be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And so we're to live in such a way that people see a difference in me and that people see a difference in you, that we are to be the lights of the world. Paul would emphasize this as well in Colossians chapter 4. Look over in Colossians chapter 4, and I want you to consider what he says in verse number 5 and verse number 6. In Colossians chapter 4 and verse number 5 and verse number 6, Paul's going to remind the saints that they are to conduct themselves in a particular way. And again, this is emphasizing this idea that we need to be a light in this dark world. Philipp, or Colossians chapter 4 and verse 5 and 6 Paul said, conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. Let your speech always be with grace as though seasoned with salt so that you will know how you should respond to each person. All throughout the New Testament, we see this idea of Christians being encouraged to live pure lives, being encouraged to be the light in a dark world. And as God's people, we need to know that indeed we can have a positive impact upon others. One of the things that I really took away from Sunday was this idea of one, one pure light, that you and I, we can be the difference maker. We can be the ones that can have a positive impact upon others. A sister here came up to me after services on Wednesday night, and she was so excited leaving the meeting. And she mentioned how she wanted to make an impact upon others around her. And that really stuck with me as well. That is what it's all about. This idea, this zeal, this passion that indeed I can make a difference. And that is the mindset that we need to have. The question is, do we really believe it? Do we really believe that the way that we live and conduct ourselves will have a positive impact upon others? 
Well, we need to know that it does. And that's what we talked about, how men like Amran and, and Jacobed, uh, the parents of Moses, they made a difference in the life of Moses and in the lives of others, and so can we. Paul made a difference in the lives of others, and so can we. In the West Main Church of Christ, the West Main Church of Christ can make a difference in Louisville and in the surrounding areas. But it begins with us individually. And so today, when we go out to lunch, shine your light. When you go to work tomorrow, let's shine our lights. When we go to school tomorrow, let's shine our lights. And listen, there's so much application that we can talk about. We shine our lights in our speech or by the way that we communicate with others. We shine our lights in the way that we dress and the way that we uh, carry ourselves in, in the things that we do. Let's shine our lights and let's be a difference maker. That's one word that I think will sum up or can sum up some of the thoughts that Phil mentioned. The second word I want to share with you is the idea of being valuable, that we need to be know that we have great worth in Christ. Our worth, rather, or value is found in Christ. We are the children of God. And according to Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 26, we were made in the image of God. And one of the things that I really enjoyed was the fact that our worth is not found in how we dress or the relationships that we have. I'm glad he emphasized a lot about that, particularly to young people. Your worth is not whether or not you're dating someone or whatever the case may be. Our worth is found in Jesus Christ. And Paul said in Colossians 2 and verse number 10, that we are complete in Christ. And so we need to really understand who we are and what we have in Jesus Christ. And as his people, we have work to do. We need to understand how important, uh, what the, the important things that we have to do and what God expects us to be doing for him. Look over in Ephesians chapter 2 and notice again in verse number 8, 9, and 10, we talked about this, or Phil did, in Ephesians chapter 2 and how we've been saved by God's grace And certainly we have been saved by God's grace, and yet we have work to do. While we have been saved, God expects us to be doing some things. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 8, listen to what Paul said here. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not as a result of works, so that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. And that's such a powerful thought for us to consider how we are to use our bodies for his great work and for his glory. And so as we think about who we are in Christ, we need to know that our worth is found in him. Our value and our worth comes from him. All of us play a special role in the kingdom of God. As I finished up the Romans study a few weeks ago in Romans chapter 16, there's a long list of names that are given in Romans chapter 16. And there are names that we're familiar with like Priscilla and Aquila and Phoebe, but there's a lot of other names that many of us are maybe not familiar with. Like Erastus or Urbanus or Rufus, if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, or his mother. And Paul listed all of these men and women because they were working. They were valuable in the kingdom of God. They were in Christ, and they were doing great things for God. And while we may not be familiar with these people or what they did, God was. He knew what they were doing. And that's a great reminder for us that no matter who we are, we need to know that we are valuable in the eyes of God. 
and that our worth is ultimately found in him. We need to know our worth and not allow the world to determine what makes us worthy or whatever the case may be. Our worth ultimately is found in Jesus Christ. We need to remember that word shine and remember that word valuable. A third word that can, we can take away from the series of lessons is the word talk. That's one of the big things that I took away from this lesson is that I need to talk more with Joshua. I need to talk more with Joshua and with Nikki. And as parents, we need to talk. We need to talk more than ever to our children about sexual purity. We need to talk more than ever to our children about marriage. Now, our last quarter, our theme has been Arise and Build. And we've talked about the family. We had a class led by one of our shepherds, Brother Tim, who did an excellent job talking about parenting and this uh, relationship in the home and, and, and how we go about uh, doing things in the home. And so we've spent a lot of time on that. And we've had sermons that have also emphasized parenting and children. And so I was really happy to hear all the things that Phil spoke about with respect to the home. And one of the big points that I took away is that we need to talk. We need to talk more about God's word. Our conversations, particularly in the home, need to be centered on the word of God. Will you turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 6? And Deuteronomy chapter 6, I know it's a popular passage that we often turn to, but it's an important one nonetheless. As the people of God were going into a new land, a new generation had arose, and the law is being given again, the, the people of God are going to be reminded that, that God needed to be in their conversations, that God needed to be in their homes, that parents needed to talk to their children. In Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse number 4, the Bible says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our, is our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house. Hear what he said? You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house. And when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign on your head, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. You get what he's saying here? I want you to talk about my law. I want you to share this in your house. And I want you to talk and talk and talk even more about who I am and my word to your children. And more than ever, as parents, and I'm so glad we had this prayer service and prayers uh, for parents. We have great parents at this congregation. And I'm encouraged by the men and women here and the faithfulness of so many as they strive to teach their children about the will of God. And we are to continue to excel still more, according to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And more than ever, we need to continue to teach our young men how to treat women. Did you pick up on what Phil said on last Sunday morning? How sad it is how so many people are being treated, particularly women in our society. We need to help our young men to, to value women and to treat them the proper way. We need to teach our children about sexual purity. One of the, one of the young persons yesterday in our, in our Devo, one of the things that they remembered was a story from Proverbs chapter 7. Do you remember that story? You remember what Phil talked about in that story in Proverbs chapter 7? The young man who was naive and went out and was going to ultimately find himself in, in a terrible state because of the immorality that he was getting ready to get involved in. You see, we need to talk about this to our children. 
And what a powerful story Proverbs chapter 7 really was. And one of the things I've thought about is one of the best places or one of the best things for us to do is to parent from the Proverbs. The Proverbs, it's a book of wisdom. And there's so many stories, whether the one in Proverbs chapter 7 where Solomon is warning uh, certainly us and, and to his son back then of, of the dangers that are out there. And just the entire book of Proverbs, for that matter, is a great way for us to parent. Parenting from the Proverbs. We have so many examples in this book that will help us as we strive to teach our children. That sermon on Tuesday was powerful. It was powerful for me, and I know it was powerful for many of you here. Because I talked to some of you guys after the services on Tuesday night. And, and some mention, and I had the same thought as well, some mention, I wish I would have heard this when I was younger. Yeah, so do I. But now's our chance. Now is our chance for our children to teach them about the dangers that are out there, to teach them about living a pure life. We need to, to take this opportunity to encourage them to remain pure. And we don't only just talk about the things to avoid, but we also need to impress upon them about the joy of marriage and the joy of the sexual relationship and marriage and how God's design is always the best. We need to talk to them about shining in this dark world and that it is possible to do the right thing. And we have to believe that. That 8 and 10 that Phil talked about was how 8 and 10, quote-unquote, Christians are going to enter marriage not pure. And we need to remind our children that it is possible to be pure going into marriage. It is possible to abstain from sexual immorality. Look over in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, that's exactly what Paul reminded the saints. This is something that you can do. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 1, Paul said, Finally then, brethren, we request and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that as you received from us instruction as to how you ought to walk and please God just as you actually do walk. We can't overlook that. They were walking according to the way God wanted them to do it. They were doing God's will. It was possible, and it's possible for us to do God's will. He said that you excel still more, for you know what commandments we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus, for this is the will of God, your sanctification, that is, that you abstain from sexual immorality. We need to help our children to know they can do it, and many of our children are doing it, and many parents are talking about this, and yet we continue to excel still more. We continue to talk more about this. And what this is going to require is a different mindset. Romans chapter 12, we won't read it, but the idea of not being conformed to this world, but making sure that we're helping our children to be transformed, that their minds are not being conformed to the things of this world. And brothers and sisters, there's a lot of application right there, a lot of application for us to think about. Phil spoke a great deal about modesty, and he spoke about how anything that leads to lust or strong sexual feelings, how we need to run. And I'm glad that he talked about that. And while there's nothing wrong certainly having feelings, remember he did talk about we need to know that those are indeed feelings, that we need to trust what God has to say in his word and to run from anything that may lead us to lust or those strong sexual feelings. Well, we need to share this with our children. We need to talk about this. And we need to help them navigate these cultural storms. 
And one of the ways that we can do it is just thinking about where we are right now. Summertime is approaching. And as parents, we need to help our children when it comes to their dress. We need to play a role with that. We need to talk to them and help them to see what is appropriate and what is not appropriate. That's an opportunity for us to talk. And that's an opportunity for us to communicate God's will. Prom is coming up. And I know sometimes that can be a little bit of a controversial subject, but we need to talk about it as well. We need to go back and consider what the Bible has to say about dancing and other things that are involved with that. And we need to consider, do we really want to put our children in a potentially compromising situation where sensuality, where immodesty and lust of the flesh are often or are promoted? I'll just say that. I was prom king back in high school, but Joshua will not be prom king because he's not going to be engaged in that, that kind of activity. And I understand that there's different ways that young people can have a good time and have fun and still take part in certain activities, but we need to take a second look at that. What the Bible has to say about these types of things. You know, one of the things that stood out to me was how Phil spoke about the Corinthians and how even people in the world recognize just how immoral people in Corinth really were. That really stood out to me, particularly thinking about this idea of prom that happens every single year and the fact that so many schools today have canceled the dances. They've canceled the dances because they recognize the behavior that has taken place there has gotten so bad. And there's something for us I think we need to think about. We need to talk to our children about this. And we need to see what the Bible has to say. And make sure that we're not putting our children in compromising situations. We need to recognize the sinful behavior attached to certain things. And we also need to emphasize to our children the why. Why. It's not just don't do this and don't do that, but why. We need to under, help them to understand that we are to be holy because God is holy. In 1 Peter chapter 1, 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 13, Peter said, Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, verse 14, do not be conformed to the former lust which were yours in your ignorance. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior because it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. We need to emphasize this is our why. This is our mission. This is who we are, which means we're not going to do everything that everybody else does. We're not going to dress the way that everybody else does. We're not going to engage in certain activities like everyone else may do. It's time for us to talk. We've got to talk about these things. I did a lesson last year about it's time to talk and it's time to listen. But we can never really be reminded about this too much. I've got to do more talking with my son. And Nikki has to do more talking. And we need to talk to our children on a regular basis. They need to hear from parents, from their parents. They need to hear from God's word. But it's not just for parents. Children, you need to talk. You need to talk to your parents. You need to share your questions, your fears, the challenges that you may have. This is a relationship that we're talking about here. And so you need to be willing to talk to your parents as well and go to them with these types of challenges that you may be having. When I think about the sermons that Phil did, one of the, le- one of the words that stood out to me is this idea of talk. We need to talk more about what the Bible says about sexual purity, about the joy in marriage and the relationship of what God has established. A fourth word that we need to consider is the word counsel. I don't know if you picked up on that with some of the things that Phil was saying, that as we strive to live in this wicked, dark world as a pure light, we are going to need some help. 
You agree with that? We're going to need some help along the way. Now, we need to be concerned about our own path, and we need to be thinking about our actions. Look over in Proverbs chapter 4 and verse number 26. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse number 26. Notice what what Solomon said here. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse number 26. The Bible says, watch the path of your feet, and all your ways will be established. Do not turn to the right nor to the left. Turn your foot from evil. We need to be thinking about the path that we find ourselves on. And we need to be diligent in this journey called life and our spiritual walk. We are to be imitators of our Father in heaven according to what we read in Ephesians chapter 5. And yet at the same time, we're going to need some assistance. We're going to need some help along the way. We're going to need wise counsel. And that's one of the things I took away from this past week. And one of the great things of the, of the meeting, for me at least, was when Phil asked everyone who was married, remember that? He asked everyone who was married to raise their hands. And I looked around, kind of got nervous looking around, but I looked around and you just saw so many hands up of people who have been married for such a long time. And I want to commend the faithful brothers and sisters that we have here who've been committed to their marriage and to their spouse and to doing what God desires for all of us to do. And looking around, one of the things that I took away is that we have a lot of people here that we can turn to, that we can talk to, that we can seek wise counsel. If it comes to our marriage and when it comes to our marriage, we have a lot of people to to, to talk to and to turn to and to get advice and to get some guidance as we travel in this life. And that got me thinking. We all need a Nathan. And by that, what I mean is that David, King David, he needed Nathan in his life. Remember what Nathan did where he essentially told David, you are the man. And David needed to hear that from Nathan so that he would wake up and come to his senses that the path that he was on was the wrong path. We all need a Nathan Someone that will talk to us. Someone that will lead us or help us to see. you got a blind spot, and let me help you out with something here. Who's going to come in a spirit of love and compassion, as Nathan did, yet with boldness and also with courage. We're reminded in passages like Titus chapter 2, how the older women are to teach the younger women. And what a great responsibility women have, particularly the older women. And certainly older men have a responsibility to do the same. And so I want you to think about some of the things that Phil talked about. Look around and and consider who might you be able to speak to for guidance. Who is your Nathan? Could you write down on a sheet of paper someone that you can turn to today? Someone that you could talk to today about spiritual matters or someone that you know is going to lead you down the right path. If you can't, I want to suggest three men, Tim, Jimmy, and Stephen. We have three godly shepherds who want to lead you to lead me in the path of righteousness, who are looking out for our best interest. And we need to make sure that we turn to them, that we talk to them, that we seek their counsel, and that we, uh, that we listen to them as they guide us in the word of God. We all need a Nathan. And whether it's one of the shepherds or someone else, we need someone along the way, someone who is wise, who has spiritual wisdom. And it's going to help us stay on the right track. And for those who are more vintage, can I make a suggestion as well too? 
don't wait for someone younger to come to you for help. You can go to that younger person as well. You don't have to wait for them to come to you and say, look, I need help. Remember what Phil talked about? How that guy at the congregation stuck his hand in his chest? Sometimes we need to do the same thing. And we have plenty of people here, plenty of godly Christians with years of experience and wisdom. Don't wait for the young person to come to you. They may never come to you. Maybe you need to go to them in a spirit of love and truth. We need to hold on to these things. Counsel. Who is our Nathan? Who can we talk to? Who can we assist? Let's make sure that we remember that as we think about the series of lessons. Two more words, and then we'll wrap this up. Choose. That's word number five. That's something that stood out to me in the series of lessons that Phil gave us. Eventually, we all have to make a choice. The lessons were great, and and Phil does a great job. And we can say that about a lot of other preachers as well. We've had Mark Roberts here. We've had Tim Jennings. We've had Ricky Jenkins. We've had Brett. We've had a lot of men who do a great job and who proclaim the word of God. We have great men here at this congregation uh, who do a great job proclaiming God's word. We've heard great sermons from Stephen and from Brian and from others. But ultimately, we've got to make a choice. You can hear all the sermons in the world. You can listen to all the podcasts in the world of the sermons that we have on our website. But what are we going to do with them? We must make a choice. We've got to decide who we're going to serve. We know the words of Joshua in Joshua 24 and verse 15. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's one of the big things I took away. We need to make sure that we choose life, God's word, and not death by disobeying God's word. If you were here during the 9 o'clock hour, our brother Dane led us in a prayer, and I wrote down the passage, Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 39. This is the idea. Know therefore today and take it to your heart that the Lord, he is God in heaven above and on the earth below. There is no other, so you shall keep his statutes and his commandments, which I am giving you today, that it may go well with you and with your children after you. Choose life. Choose what God has to say, and that you may live long in the land which the Lord your God has given you for all time. While that was given to Israel, the application still applies to us. Young people, you've got to make a choice. You're going to graduate from high school. You're going to go to college. You're going to have to make your own decisions as well. What do you believe? You've got to have your own shield of faith. You've got to have your own knowledge and faith and trust in God. You must decide. We all have to choose. Are we on the Lord's side? When we decide that we're going to remain with him, that's going to make it way easier for us to live as one pure light. Choose. That's something that stood out to me. And finally, the word trust. If you're taking notes or writing this down, trust. This was the last big thought I took away from the meeting. Brethren, do we really trust what God says in his word? I was thinking about that sermon from John 8 with the woman caught in adultery. Go and do what? Sin no more. We've we got to believe the words of Jesus and what he wants us to do and what he has called us to do. Do we trust that as Christians our sins are forgiven when we confess our sins and when we repent? First John chapter 1 reminds us that we can have confidence that we can indeed be forgiven of our sins. 
And do we really trust that sexual purity is the best way for us to live? That it actually is possible for us to do this? Do we really buy into what we have in God's Word? Do we really believe it? We need to believe it. God's people in Babylon, they heard the words of, word of God all the time from Ezekiel. Oh, that's great. It sounds really good. They didn't believe it. What is our spirit? How is our spiritual hearing? How are we listening? And what are we really going to believe? Do we really believe that we can make a difference as Christians? Young people, you need to know that. All of us need to know this, that I can make a difference, that you can make a difference. You can make a difference right now. The fact that you're here this morning, you're making a difference. You're encouraging someone. And all of us can make a difference in this world. But we must trust in God. God is always faithful. And let us make sure that we remain the same. Let's trust his words. Let's trust the words that have been given to us by the apostles, guided by the Holy Spirit. And let us be sure that we are the change in this dark and dying world. Let's be that one pure light. Let's take these things that we've learned, that we've heard for the last week, and let's make sure that we apply them in our lives today. And if you're not a child of God, you need to trust what God says in his word. You need to trust that sin indeed is is terrible and that sin separates man from God. And yet you need to also believe and trust that there's a remedy, that Jesus died on the cross for the sin of the world. And if you want to be delivered from your sin, you must repent, you must believe in Christ. And you must put on Christ in baptism for the forgiveness of your sins. You need to believe that. And if you're ready to respond, don't just hear it. If you're ready to take action, we'd love to help you out today. If you're subject to the invitation, come now as we stand and as we sing.